G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Each and every day, we're surrounded by temptations. But Pastor Greg Laurie says we can decide if they influence our thoughts and actions. You are the air traffic controller of your mind. You decide what plane's going to land, right? This is coming in, that isn't coming in. That's why we're told over in 2 Corinthians 10, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Because here's the thing, if you give the devil an inch, he will take a mile. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. If we sow a thought, we reap an action. We sow an action, we reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. So a character, reap a destiny. And we need to give some thought to our thoughts. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie continues our studies in the book of Nehemiah. It describes a great undertaking, how the workers were under great pressure. They faced great opposition and will glean some great lessons on how they responded. Our study today is called Don't Give Up. It's like to start a project and not finish it. Like cleaning out the garage, right? Oh, I need to organize my garage so badly. It's just a mess. And, and you know, and you look and you go, oh, where do I start? And then I go into other people's garages and they're just perfect. Everything's organized. I, I love that. But some things we start and we don't complete those things. But in other areas of life, it becomes more significant. Sometimes we start something like a marriage. And it gets hard. And marriages do get hard, don't they? And they give up. Or they start a ministry. Or they plant a church. And it's not as easy as they hoped it would be. So they give up. Or they start a career. And it didn't go as they had hoped. Or they want to go to school. And they don't complete it. And so the list goes on. And sadly, there are even people that make a profession of faith. But then turn away later. You know, the Apostle Paul had this happen with a guy named Demas. Demas is mentioned two times in Paul's epistles. I mean, how cool would it be to be mentioned by name in a writing of Scripture? Demas made it into the list two times. The first time is over in Philemon chapter 1 verse 23. Paul writes, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greet you as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, who are my fellow laborers. I mean, if I was one of those guys, I'd drop that in every conversation. Hi, my name is Aristarchus. Maybe you've heard of me from the book of Philemon. That's me. Demas made it twice. But the problem is the second mention was not as good as the first. Because later there in 2 Timothy 4, which would be Paul's final epistle, Paul said, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Basically, Paul's saying, remember that Demas guy? Yeah, well, he bailed on me. 
And he's even walked away from the faith, loving this present world more than he loves the Lord. Not a good way to be remembered. He didn't finish what he had begun. Well, we're looking at the book of Nehemiah in this series that we're calling The Rebuilt Life. And we're looking at how the people of Israel returned from their captivity in Babylon and built up the walls of Jerusalem that were lying in charred rubble. Here in chapter six, the task is finally finished. You see, God had a work he wanted to do and he found a leader in Nehemiah. Listen to this, sometimes God calls people to lead who don't necessarily want to lead. Not every leader wanted to be a leader. Uh, God called Gideon to be a leader of Israel and he was hiding from his enemy when the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, hey Gideon, you mighty man of courage. The reality is he was about as uncourageous as he could be in that moment, uh, cowering in fear because of his enemy, the Midianites. But the Lord was calling him into service and immediately Gideon protests, Lord, you don't want me. I'm the least of my father's house. Another way to say that would be I'm the runt in the litter. Don't bother with me. My brothers, they do a much better job. No, God wanted Gideon. Sometimes the reason the Lord chooses those people that don't want to be leaders is because they will become the best leaders. Because they will not have self-confidence, they'll have God-confidence because they know they can't do it on their own. When the Lord called Moses, Moses was reluctant. He said, Lord, I, I'm, I have a speech impediment. Get somebody else to do this and listen to this. Not only is it true that sometimes God calls people to be leaders that don't necessarily want to be leaders, but sometimes God doesn't call people who do want to be leaders. Maybe it's because they want it too much. Maybe it's because they want it for the wrong reason. Simon tried to buy the power of God to do miracles. Now listen, it is a great privilege to be a leader. And there is great joy in being able to perhaps see things change or influence things or accomplish something of value. But it can also be a serious pain to be a leader. <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart. There's a price that you will pay. Because if you're a leader, wherever you might lead, you're gonna be misunderstood, misrepresented, mocked, criticized, and sometimes there'll even be threats on your life. So it comes down to this. Don't try to be a leader if God hasn't called you to be one. But if he has called you to lead, by all means, do so. Well, it's hard to be a leader. And Nehemiah knew all about it. I mean, listen, he left the cushiest job ever to do something that was very difficult. He went from the palace to the work site. He went from royalty to rubble. I mean, his job was to eat everything the king ate and to live in the very lap of luxury without the pressure of being the king. And now he feels uh, led by the Lord to go help his fellow Jews rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah wasn't a construction guy. He wasn't a guy that was normally out there on the work site, but maybe he was now a, a hard hat with, well, a soft heart. He wanted to do something for the Lord, so he left his comfort zone to obey the Lord and now he's finished the task, maybe one of the most difficult tasks in human history. He's pulled it off and it's been done in 52 days. How did he do it? Simple answer, he kept his eye on the ball. He kept his eye on the ball. 
In the first five chapters of Nehemiah we find opposition uh, directed toward the people. But now in chapter six it's getting personal. The opposition is directed specifically toward Nehemiah himself. We know in war enemy troops are often told to shoot the commanding officers. Uh, we know in football that the objective is to sack the quarterback. So the devil often sets his sights on the leaders. And in the church the devil will set his sight on the pastors and the other leaders. That's why we need to pray for them. Let me ask you honestly, do you ever pray for me? I need your prayers. You don't realize how much I need your prayers. So we need to remember to pray for anyone in a position of leadership. And Nehemiah was incredibly focused on his goal. He was not gonna let hell or high water stop him. Again, as I said, he kept his eye on the ball. Certain sports require that, like golf, which I've never really understood. I mean, I understand it. I've tried to play it. I'm so bad at it. I went out with a friend who's a very good golfer and he was trying to teach me how to do a proper golf swing and, and I would miss the ball completely. It's so embarrassing. Uh, I, I talked to someone the other day who's been golfing for years. I said, how long would it take for me to become competent enough at golfing where maybe I wouldn't embarrass myself out in the course? He said, I don't know, three, four years. I was like, forget it. <laughs> And then baseball, you gotta keep your eye on the ball. That's very important and that's exactly what Nehemiah did. And that's true in life too. You know in marriage, you gotta keep your eye on the ball. What does that mean? It means constantly be doing things to strengthen your marriage. Don't be merely reactive, be proactive. Be the best husband you can be. Be the best wife you could be. Uh, stoke the flames of your romance. Don't just neglect it. It's true also in ministry. If God's called you to ministry, keep your eye on the ball. Don't phone it in. Don't rest on your laurels. Don't go into cruise control. Be proactive, looking for ways to even be more effective at what you do. I want you to know we take that very seriously here and we're always trying to be the most effective we can be in this church. And this is true of so many things in life. It's even true of the Christian life. The moment you take your eye off the ball and, and you just sort of kick back a little bit can be the setup for a fall. Be constantly moving forward and growing and learning and becoming more like Jesus. Well, if you've just joined us here on A New Beginning, you're listening to Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in California. And he's looking at persistence today and how we should respond even when we're under great pressure. It's a message called don't give up. Let's look at our text now. It's Nehemiah 6. We're going to read two verses. And that brings me to my first point before we read. Don't get sidetracked. Stay focused. Again, don't get sidetracked. Stay focused. Nehemiah 6, verse 1. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of the enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and no gaps remained though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But I realized they were plotting to harm me. We'll stop there. So the job's almost done, but not quite. The doors have not yet been hung. Man, if you don't have the doors hung, I don't care about how beautiful your walls are. Person can walk right in, right? Get those doors hung. 
Don't stop now. We have some bunnies in our garage. They belong to our grandchildren. Uh, there's two of them now. Uh, one is Cotton, that's the mother. And then her little baby bunny, Chubby Cutie. Um, I didn't name him. One of the grandkids did. Funny though, Kathy calls me that as well. <laughs> chubby Cutie. But she doesn't usually use Cutie, it's just the Chubby. But anyway, I digress. So the other day I went in the garage and Chubby Cutie and Cotton are loose. They've made a jailbreak. They're hopping around. I'm trying to catch them, you know. And I told you my garage is, is messy, so I'm having to maneuver around things. And, and, I, and my little grandson Christopher just grabbed a little Chubby Cutie. <laughs> grabbed him. Well done. And so we put him in the cage and we secured the little door. You have to keep the door shut. Well, you have sort of a door in your life. And if you leave that door open, bad things can come in. You need to start by guarding your mind. You are the air traffic controller of your mind. You decide what plane's gonna land, right? You decide what thought is gonna take residence in your mind because all kinds of thoughts come to us all of the time. Often they're horrible thoughts, bad thoughts, good thoughts, uh, wonderful thoughts. So you decide this is coming in, that isn't coming in. That's why we're told over in 2 Corinthians 10, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Because here's the thing, if you give the devil an inch, he will take a mile. So you have to guard these things. Keep that gate shut. Also guard your mouth before you blurt out something. So often we say something or tweet something or uh, post something or whatever it is and then once it's out we're thinking, oh, should I have said that? Here's what Psalm 141.3 says, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. So these enemies of Nehemiah say they just wanted to meet with him in the valley of Ono. Come down to the valley of Ono. Listen, you need to say no to Ono. Otherwise, you're gonna be saying, oh no. <laughs> you know, the devil is not stupid. He's wicked, he's depraved, he's evil, but he ain't dumb, okay? And he knows if he comes to you with this game plan up front, most people would never go for it. He's not gonna come up to some guy or girl and say, hey you, happily married person, I'm thinking I'd like to just wreck your life and I would like to destroy your marriage. So how about if you commit adultery and betray your spouse, and then, you know, you'll get a divorce, it'll be really messy, and then your children will be estranged from you, lose their respect, maybe for the rest of your life, and destroy your Christian testimony. Uh, I'm thinking we should do this together. What do you say? There might be some moron out there like, okay, you know. <laughs> Generally, we would say no to that, hopefully. So the devil instead comes and says, hey, come on down to the plane of Ono. Let's just talk a little bit. Uh, check this out. Check out a little porn. It won't hurt you. Besides, everybody watches it. It's okay. Just, just check it out. Hey, have this little flirtatious conversation with a member of the opposite sex. It'll be fun. He'll get you to sort of take a little free sample. I went to Krispy Kreme Donuts the other day. <laughs> it's been a long time. I have to say, they're still good. That's beauty. That is beauty on display. To see freshly made hot glazed donuts coming down that little 
conveyor belt thingy and then I got some cold milk to wash them down with. And you know, I'll tell you what, they are so good going down, aren't they? And you know what they do? You walk in, they go, would you like a free sample? And you're like, yes, I would. And then it just like disappears. They're slightly smaller than a regular donut. I bought a dozen more. Now I didn't need a dozen more, but I had three other people with me. But still, you know, I ate them. And they're so great when you first eat them. They're tasty and have a little gulp of milk, have another one, have another. And then about 25 minutes later, you start coming down from that sugar high. Oh man. <laughs> okay, so the devil comes here. Here's a free sample. Just, just, you know, just a sample. And we try these things out. So this is the devil's strategy. Come on, just take a taste. Just take a look. Give it a go. Come down to the plane of Ono and let's talk together. You can trust me. <laughs> Listen, don't have any conversations with the devil. Don't have any communication with Satan. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Nehemiah says, I'm not coming down. Some great wisdom from today's study with Pastor Greg Laurie based in the book of Nehemiah. And Pastor Greg will have more from this message as he continues on a new beginning at the same time tomorrow. I hope you can join us as we take another look at the challenges that Nehemiah faced personally and some good encouragement about protecting our godly character. Join us same time tomorrow. Now for a copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called Don't Give Up. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.